You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. So we have been in a series all throughout the month of December called The Captive Liberator because out of Jesus' mouth himself, whoops, I'm kicking buckets here, he came to liberate captives, to set captives free. And so naturally, I'd love to start uh, this afternoon by just asking you a Christmas question. What is your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Elf? Somebody said Die Hard. That is a, that is a Christmas movie. Christmas Vacation. Home Alone. If you're on the live stream, drop your favorite movie in the comments. Anybody else? That one that wasn't said. The Grinch. Polar Express. My wife says It's a Wonderful Life. That's her favorite Christmas movie. Okay, so, so here's mine. And we've probably, as a family, watched this movie about 15 times this month alone. Home Alone. Any other Home Alone lovers in here? This is, so this is the first year. Oh, we got some kids who like Home Alone. This is the first year that we've actually started watching this movie uh, with our family. And uh, the kids are loving it because they're getting all kinds of great ideas to booby trap our house, right? Like I go up our steps at home just a little bit more carefully just in case a few paint cans come swinging at me, right? I love this movie. I've loved it since I was a kid. And uh, if, if you think about kind of the premise of this movie, here you have this eight or nine-year-old little kid named Kevin McAllister. And Kevin has a vision of freedom for his life, doesn't he, at the beginning of the movie? Right, you open the opening scene and his house is chaos and they're getting ready to go on a vacation and he's just getting kind of caught in the, the brunt of all of it, right? And so his one Christmas wish is that his family would disappear, in fact, one of my favorite lines of the movie is when he goes, this house is so full of people, it makes me sick. When I grew up and get married, I'm living alone, right? Did you hear me? I'm living alone, right? We all know this. Kevin, Kevin had a vision of freedom for his life. And it was a vision of freedom from all constraints, from a vision of freedom from anybody that would impede on him being able to do what he want when he wanted, how he wanted. Kevin had a vision of freedom for his life. I made my family disappear. I made my family disappear, right? And, and after his family does disappear, he orders all of the cheese pizza that he wants just for himself and eats exorbitant amounts of ice cream and watches any movies. That, and he, he's just like soaking in his vision of freedom until the very end of the movie, and here's a spoiler alert. By the way, it's been out 32 years, so if you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. But the point at the end of the movie, after having all of this, is that his vision of freedom wasn't actually freedom at all. In fact, his vision of freedom ended up leaving him isolated, alone, scared, and just wanting his family to come back. He had an eight-year-old's vision of freedom, and it left him completely alone. And the question for us tonight is, is your vision of freedom for your life actually freedom? 
Is the vision of freedom that you have for your life actually freedom? You see, Kevin had a vision of freedom that in a lot of ways is the same vision of freedom that a lot of us have for our lives. It's what I would call a freedom from mentality. Freedom from. Freedom from any constraint. Freedom from any accountability. Freedom from anything that would threaten his ability to choose. Anything that limits me or interferes with me choosing what I want to choose, I am less free. This is a freedom from vision. It's an eight-year-old's vision of freedom. And Jesus, Jesus was born into a world of Jewish people that had a similar vision of freedom for their lives and for their people. They wanted freedom from oppressive Roman occupation, freedom from tyranny, freedom from excessive taxation. And here's what a lot of us don't realize. That when this is our vision of freedom, like if this is where it starts and ends for our lives, we actually don't realize that it leaves us in chains. It leaves us in chains. Just like Kevin McAllister, isolated, alone, and scared, full of fear. What do I mean by this? Well, maybe you obsessed over being successful because you wanted more than anything else, freedom from the lies that were spoken over you as a child. And so you climbed the corporate ladder at any cost. You obsessed over what your boss thought about you. You lost sleep over climbing the corporate ladder. You stepped on the head of a coworker or two on the way up the ladder. And you finally achieved the title and position, a title that will free you from your own inadequacies. And the question even there is, did it actually free you? Did it free you? Or maybe for you, you have a vision for your life where you desire nothing more to be free from singleness. And all you wanted was a spouse. And so you meet a guy. And sure, he's got a few red flags along the way, but then he drops down on one knee. And you're willing to ignore the red flags. And you say yes, because in your mind, freedom looks like kids and a white picket fence and a steady income in your house. And yet you settle for this guy because you want to be free from your own inadequacies. And so you settle. Did, did it free you? Or maybe for you, you grew up in an ultra-religious household. Right? You grew up under the thumb of religion, and so your vision of freedom is obsessively trying to escape the religion that you grew up with. And so you live the way you want. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. You make your own rules. You do exactly what you want to do. You partake with substances that you swore you would avoid. You just, your vision of freedom is just freedom from the house that you came from, freedom from all constraint. And the question is, did it free you? Here's what we don't realize. In our pursuits of freedom from blank, and we all have a blank there. We all have something that we fill in the blank there. In our obsession with freedom from, we are just settling for choosing different chains. Is anybody tired of living in a world that has this vision of freedom for our lives? 
freedom from all constraint, freedom from all accountability, freedom from anything. See, if, if every choice that I have ultimately leads just to my isolation or loneliness or fear or destruction, then I'm not really free at all. In order for it to actually be freedom, there has to be a choice that actually leads us to a place of abundant life. There has to be a choice that leads us to flourishing. If every choice that I have ultimately just looks like chains, I am not free. And here's what's so cool about Jesus. And in fact, today there's going to be an opportunity to choose freedom for some of us who have never chosen it before. But here's what's so cool about Jesus. This is what I love about his birth and his life is that Jesus breaks our chains by offering us a completely different vision of freedom. Jesus is a chain breaker because he offers us a different vision of freedom than what most of us have settled for. In fact, like we we already said, Jesus claimed, his very claim is that he came to proclaim liberty to the captives, to break the chains of those who are oppressed by their sin and by their shame and by the brokenness of the world around them. Jesus came to break chains. In fact, it's in a conversation with some Jewish people who are kind of on the fence about this whole Jesus thing. On, on one hand, the text says that they, they believe some of the things that Jesus is saying, but on the other hand, they like kind of really want to secretly kill him. And so they're kind of on this fence. And, and this is what Jesus says to these guys. He says this in John 8. He says, so if the Son, meaning himself, sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free You will be free indeed. Jesus is a chain breaker. He has the power to break the chains of everything that holds us bondage. He has the power to break the chains over prove yourself. He has the power to break the chains over settle for God's best, less than God's best for you. He has the power to break the chains of hopelessness. He has the power to break the chains of grief and loss. He has the power to break the chains of apathy. He has the power to break the chains of everything that holds us captive. The question for a lot of us is why then are we settling for less than his vision of freedom? Now, maybe your initial thought when you hear me say something like that, when you hear a pastor say, hey, you have chains, as you think to yourself, I don't have chains. I do what I want, when I want, how I want, with whom I want, right? I am utterly free. And you know, that's exactly what these guys Jesus is talking to say to him. Let, let's take a look at it in John 8. John 8, verses 31. I want you to take a look at the response of the guys that Jesus is talking to. This is what he says. So Jesus said to the Jews who have believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So here's what I love about Jesus. He's talking to this group of guys, and he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, what he's implying is you are not currently free. You're in chains. 
right? And, and their response is, who, who are you to tell us that we are in chains? And, and all this month, we've been talking about the different ways we try to convince ourselves and others that we actually are not in chains by our sin. We do this through outward decorations, Right? We put on a facade, outward decorations, when inward realities are crumbling. As long as the facade looks good, nobody will see the chains that actually enslave me. We do this through trying to you know, modify our behavior, being well-behaved. Right? I, I see so many people, they create purity tests for everyone around them that they can't even keep up with themselves. Right? Like If you want to be in my life, here's the behavior test you have to pass or the purity test you have have to pass, or we compare ourselves to other people, right? At least I'm not as bad as they are, or we shift blame. It's their fault I'm in this situation. And yet all along, we, we just find ourselves in chains. I stumbled uh, across a quote from a, he's, this is actually from a, a secular perspective. He's an author uh, who, who graduated from Harvard, and this is what he says about this. I thought this was a brilliant observation. He says this, this world of men and money and power hums merrily along in a pool of fear and anger and frustration and craving and worship of self. Our own present culture has harnessed these forces in ways that have yielded extraordinary wealth and comfort and personal freedom. The freedom to be lords of our tiny skull-sized kingdoms alone at the center of all creation. How is your vision of freedom for your life working out for you? Because if, if we're honest with ourselves, nobody else around us may know the chains that are actually weighing us down. But if we get honest with ourselves, we know exactly what they are. They're the things that we struggle with that nobody else sees. The, the secret sins that we keep buried the shame that has never come to light. And if we're honest, our chains are heavy and they're uncomfortable and they're obvious. Our chains are the things that we think about when nobody else is around, lying awake in bed at night, driving alone on our way to work, standing in the shower. It's the places where our mind goes that is still holding us captive and every single one of us have some of those things in our lives. But here's what's so cool about Jesus. Is that every single person that Jesus freed, that he saved, and that he healed, that are told in this book, there's hundreds of stories of people being freed by the person of Jesus. But every single one of them had one thing in common with each other. One thing. They were honest about what enslaved them. They were honest about their chains. They were honest enough to surrender their chains to the person of Jesus. They were honest enough to repent of their sins, name their chains, and bring them to Jesus. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down and hear a good buddy share his story named Jason. And uh, Jason recounted so many different amazing parts of his story, but there was one part of his story that, that really bothered me, okay, if I'm being honest. It, like... I had to like process through this after hearing it for a while. It really bothered me. And, and the part of his story that he shared that really kind of like I had to dig into and, and wrestle with a little bit more is when he said, when he was telling me about his time in prison. 
and, and the, the worship services and the Bible studies and the church services that would happen in prison. And this is what he said that bothered me so much. He said, you know, people don't worship in church like they do in prison. In prison, there is an all-out abandon for Jesus. In prison, there are people who will go all in for Jesus. They don't care what the people around them think about them. They're not held back by pride. They're not held back by insecurity. They're not held back by any kind of facade. They just go all in for Jesus. You know why I think that is? Because when your chains are not only obvious to you, but the people around you, freedom in Jesus hits different. Yet so many of us, we just try to hide our chains. We just try to stuff them away or convince ourselves that they're not there. But can we begin at least in a place where we're willing to get honest about the things that are enslaving us? What are your chains? What are the things you are desperately seeking freedom from? Jesus goes on in this passage of John 8, and he actually gives a name to our chains. This is what he says in verse 34. After they say, how can you say we'll become free? This is what Jesus responds and says. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. In other words, your chains don't come off by just trying harder or just being better or just getting your act cleaned up and and coming and, and trying to impress. That's not how your chains are broken. What Jesus says is that every single person who practices sin, which, spoiler alert, that is all of us. Every single one of us, we talked about this last week, every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners enslaved by sin. It is our default way in which we enter this world, and without Jesus, it is the default way that we leave this world. And yet Jesus is talking to this group of guys who are denying their chains, and he says, everyone who practices sin, in other words, all of you guys are slaves to sin. And yet, we just settle for a vision for our lives that tries to clean it up and mask it or hide it away or convince ourselves it's not there or compare ourselves to others and say, at least it's not as bad as them. But here's what's so beautiful about Jesus is that he doesn't just desire that we drop our chains and walk through this life as ex-convicts. What he desires for us is that we become sons and daughters, that freedom for Jesus is a welcome into his family, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, the daughter, remains in the house forever. And so how is Jesus' vision for freedom different than ours? Well, it's because Jesus doesn't merely offer freedom from, like many of us view freedom. He offers something different. He offers freedom for. Now, what do I mean when I say that? What what does that actually mean? Well, if I were to illustrate freedom from, freedom from is trying to get away from everything that might enslave me, everything that might hold me back, right? Freedom from my past, freedom from suffering, freedom from all of these things. But the problem is, if that's my only vision of freedom, just trying to escape the past or just trying to get away from the shame or just trying to, you know, heal it with something else, then the next time suffering comes, I'm just in chains all over again. 
If my only vision for freedom is freedom from what I'm looking at in my past or what's behind me, and I'm not actually looking for what is offered in front of me, I just move from chain to chain to chain. When a new circumstance comes up, maybe I lose the job. Maybe the diagnosis comes. Maybe the house goes in foreclosure. Maybe the kids get taken to the foster care system. Whatever it is for you, if my entire vision of freedom is just freedom from, I'm still in chains at the end of the day. But what Jesus offers is a better vision, not just freedom from, but freedom for. Freedom for abundant life. Freedom for every single thing that you've walked through to be framed through the lens of redemption and restoration at the cross. Freedom for a new kind of life. Freedom for adoption into his family. Freedom for, in fact, when Jesus calls himself the truth, he's not just saying, hey, you need to know the right set of facts or you, know, you need to know the right things. When Jesus calls himself the truth, and he says this in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the claim that he is making is that walking with me is the only path that will actually go where it promises to go. In other words, I'm not just offering you freedom from, I'm offering you freedom for an entirely different kind of life. For anybody in this room or watching online that's been a Christ follower for more than two minutes, you know that following Jesus does not remove all suffering from your life, does it? It does not free you from suffering. Suffering's part of the deal. It doesn't free you from all opposition, He doesn't promise freedom from hardship. What Jesus promises is that in every moment of hardship, in every moment of opposition, in every moment of painful, difficult, uncertain circumstances, that freedom means we have hope and that he can redeem that. That area of of sexual shame that you don't talk about with anyone, Jesus can redeem that he offers a different version of freedom. That unspeakable thing that was done to you all those years ago that you have just built up so much anger and rage over, Jesus can offer freedom from that because he can redeem that. That unspeakable thing you did to others that you have not forgiven yourself for, Jesus can free you and redeem you even in that. How do I know? Because I see him do it every day in this community. I've seen him do it for the, the woman who was abused by her priest growing up year in and year out. Who carries more religious trauma than most of us will ever know. And for her, Jesus' vision of freedom has empowered her to forgive the, the people who had wronged her and set her free to live seeking redemption for other people. I've seen him do it for the convicted felon who celebrated 10 years of sobriety this year and now serves in leadership in this church. That God gave him a vision for freedom that says, hey, that God wants me to free me from my past, but he also is giving me a vision for my life. And this only happens when I get honest about my chains, when I bring them to the person of Jesus, and I invite him to give me a whole new vision for what's ahead of my life. That's freedom, guys. 
That's what Jesus can transform. That's what Jesus can redeem. I've seen him do it for the father who feels like a failure in this community. I've seen him do that for the grieving spouse. I've seen him do it for the mom who lost her kids to the foster care system. I've seen him do it for the addicted and the afflicted. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. But some of us are here and you're in the same place that I was five years ago you're not free. You're not free from the need to prove yourself. You're not free from the anger over what they did to you that hurt you so badly. You're not free from the addiction. You're not free from the fear of tomorrow. Why? Because you haven't embraced Jesus' vision of freedom for your life yet. For me, I had been a Christian for 25 years. I had grown up in the church. I was a lifer in the Christian school system. I mean, K through 12th grade. Every single year, Christian character award-winning kid, like through and through and through. If you wanted to see someone who had what looked like it all on the outside, it was me. And yet, this is a lot more what my life looked like under the surface. I was suffering under the weight of sexual shame, brokenness. I was a slave to anger. I was a slave to resentment towards everyone around me. Sam can tell you all. My wife can tell you all better than anybody. Like, I was a slave to sin. And it wasn't until I was in a setting like this where an invitation was made to actually experience freedom, to name my chains and to surrender them at the feet of Jesus. And I felt the stirring in my soul, the Holy Spirit telling me so clearly, and I was a youth pastor at the time, guys, like, like so clearly telling me, if you surrender your chains, I will invite you to walk into freedom. It was as if, God gave me a key in the person of Jesus. And he, through his death and burial and resurrection, had unlocked the lock, had opened the lock, and said, will you walk in freedom that I have won for you? It will be painful, and it will hurt and it will require that you leave some things behind in order to press on towards what's ahead. It will be one of the hardest things that you go through. It will cost you so much. But make no mistake about it, Brad. I heard God say so clearly this. Your freedom will not cost you more than what it cost me on the cross. That is the hope of Jesus. But here's the thing. I could have stayed in my seat. I, I could have stayed in my seat and just settled for the chains in my life and nothing would have happened, nothing would have changed. But it was in the act of getting up, it was in the act of surrendering where God slowly began to just lead me on the path towards freedom. Surrendering what was broken Surrendering what was filled with sin, surrendering what was filled with shame, and just offering freedom from it. 
See, when Jesus offers freedom, he doesn't just say the truth will set you free. Right? Jesus dying on the cross, that's a great idea, but if you actually don't take a hold of it, it doesn't do anything. Right? He, he doesn't just say the truth will set you free. He says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, you have to receive it. In other words, you have to surrender your chains. You have to name your chains. You have to know the truth, the one, Jesus, the only one who actually takes you where he promises to go to a point where the chains that you carry, they fall off. They're broken. You're freed. I literally, after first service, heard a sixth grader come up, or a a six-year-old, not a sixth grader, a six-year-old come up to me and say to me, this morning I drew a picture and on it I wrote, Jesus is a chain breaker. He had no idea what we were talking about today. If he can do it for a six-year-old, a 34-year-old, a 70-something-year-old, he can do it for you. He wants to free you. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25, the writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Not partially, not sort of, completely. In other words, it's, it's on the cross where slaves become sons and daughters. Scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He sets us free. And so maybe you're here tonight and you've never taken hold of that freedom. I want to ask you a question tonight. And, and whether you're here in person or online, the invitation is open for you. Will you walk into freedom today? Just because the door has already been unlocked doesn't mean you're free yet. You have to receive it for yourself. You have to take hold of it. How do we do this? We repent of our sins. We surrender our chains. And we begin the journey of walking with Jesus into freedom. And you know what that means? It means we're going to have to forgive the unforgivable in some people because God has forgiven the unforgivable in us. That's freedom. That means we're going to have to be okay with the uncertainty of what tomorrow may bring because we know the one who holds tomorrow. Surrendering our chains means that we give up some things in order to experience true, lasting joy and freedom. And church, I can tell you he has done that for me. I don't share my story ever to put myself on a pedestal or to brag about me. I share it to brag about what Jesus can do in a life. This is real. This is not a facade. This is not a fake. This is true. I have seen him do it more times than I can count. The question for you is, will you let him do it for you? So here's what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to offer a word of prayer. And if you desire to receive this tonight, I want to ask you, will you just pray this prayer silently in your heart alongside me? You can do this here in the room. You can do this in your living room as you're watching the live stream. But I want to invite you, if you are here today and you are in chains and you want to surrender your chains to the person of Jesus, what is stopping you? The only thing stopping you is you. 
So let me offer a prayer. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray along silently with me. Jesus, today, I am naming my chains. Jesus, these are my chains. And Jesus, today I I repent of the areas of sin in my life, the areas that nobody else sees, nobody else knows. Jesus, I surrender my shame. I surrender the areas of unforgiveness in my life towards others. And Jesus, I want to take hold of freedom that is found in you. Jesus, I believe you are freedom. You are the only freedom. That you are the only path that actually leads where it promises to go. And so Jesus, today I take hold of this life. A life you won for me through your death on the cross and your resurrection again three days later. Jesus, I believe it and I receive it as my own this Christmas. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. And so what we're going to do is, as we respond in worship today is, is that I want to invite you. There's a, a card on your seat, a little tear-off card on the bottom there that looks just like that on the screen. If you're joining online, there's a link that you can actually go to, newlifewayland.org slash Jesus. And if you made a decision to receive Jesus, to put your faith and your trust in him, to take hold of freedom that is found in him, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to to simply fill out that card. There's like three lines on it. Super simple to fill out. Fill out that card. And then while we sing, what we're going to do is, you can see there's a gate over here with a bunch of locks on it. I want you to drop that card into that box over there. And as our gift to you, we want you to take one of these locks. Every single one of them has a key in it. I want you to unlock it and take this with you as a reminder that this is the Christmas that I put a stake in the ground and said, Jesus, I want freedom that you offer. And we have some powerful next steps that you can take on the the card attached to it with it. But I want to invite you, if that's you today, don't stay in your seat. Come forward and receive freedom from Jesus. If that's you, don't stay apathetic on the live stream. Click the link, go to the website. We want to walk with you as you walk with Jesus in freedom. And so if that's you, let's respond in worship. I want to invite everybody to stand uh, right now. And we're going to sing, we're going to worship. And as we do, come forward, drop your card in the box and grab a lock signifying newfound freedom in Christ.